It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a uh, Damon is slightly pixelated version of the Monday check-in. My name is Damon Jensen Heitman. I'm one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by Alan Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. And Damon, that you being slightly pixelated is only relevant for our YouTube watchers. The 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 SoundCloud people don't care. Well no, but I feel that they they'd feel left out if they didn't know. You think? Yep. Because they would sense it. Somehow. My guess is that they choose to listen to the podcast on SoundCloud because they don't want to have to uh, to see us. Oh, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think maybe they're just like in a in a time or in a context where they can't look at a screen. Oh, you know, they're driving or gardening or um, washing the dishes or something watching something else on their other screen <laughs> does soundcloud have that ability to listen to a podcast like at 1.5 times the speed i don't know i assume it does okay that's I, probably I what they're choosing to do is try to speed up our witty banter so that they can get to the the heart of the issue and then they slow it down when we actually do the bible study right yeah, that's probably it. Then they probably reduce it to 0. 0.5 speed at that point. Uh, the Monday check-in, for those who don't know, is um, Greg and I hop on here and we talk a little bit. We take a look at the scriptures, or at least some of the scriptures that we're going to use for the upcoming Sunday at First Press Hasting. And generally, those are electionary-based choices. Uh, we have a little conversation about it, an early look, as as it were, at the scriptures, and then we switch gears and talk a little bit about the life of the church uh, at First Press Hastings. And we will typically start with a word of prayer. I think, Greg, it's your turn to give the, off, the opening prayer. Is that right? Sure. I don't know now. I think it might be my turn. Well, That's then why mind. don't you do it? Now nah, you should you go ahead. Okay, let's uh, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, thank you for this opportunity to gather and to study your holy word and the call that it places on our lives. God, as we study this particular parable, uh, what is sometimes called the persistent widow, may we learn the gift of persistence when it is needed uh, in the context of our faith and in the context of our life. Bless our time, our words, our thoughts, and God bless the, the time, the words, and the thoughts of those who are listening so that ultimately they may more closely align their walk with your path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So for this upcoming Sunday, we have uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. There's also this little bit from 2 Timothy I don't know if we'll get there or not, but um, we'll go ahead and read it anyway, I suppose. So so Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, reads something like this. 
Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. But later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the, and the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he quickly, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And that's how that reading ends. Um, right there. So, <laughs> uh, and then 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 3, verse 14 through chapter 4, verse 5. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching, for the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry in full. That's how that reading ends as well. Uh, Greg, what should I have? <laughs> Do you think the writers of the lectionary paired these two scriptures together simply because they're both about persistence? Or they both use the word persistence? They definitely both use the word persistence. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, I think so. The though they're being persistent about different things right in in these readings right um the the parable from luke is um is an interesting is an interesting nugget of scripture <laughs> interesting nugget of scripture i appreciate that very vague language you were using there damon uh yeah it's it's interesting first and in then it starts where it tells us what the parable is supposed to be about which is unusual um a lot of the parables jesus like tells a story 
and sometimes clarifies what he means by it. And then oftentimes just leaves, leaves the reader to uh, sort of imbue meaning into it. And in this case, the writer of the gospel, Luke said, then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart, which is just odd um, in itself. And then it goes into the parable, but we're, we already know what it's about. It's about the need to pray always and not to lose heart. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's about the need to pray always for a specific thing. Right? Justice. Yeah. It's not just to just to pray for anything. Um, and I also want to point out that this is not an allegory. Um, the judges, the judges uh, is a judge. The, uh, the judge isn't, I don't think, meant to represent anything beyond being a judge but um yeah like the need to pray always and to not lose heart in seeking justice it's it's very specific about that it's not the need to pray always and seek your heart's desire or whatever the case may be right um and while I'm reading it, I'm thinking about the difference between um, seeking justice and and just complaining about something, right? Or even or even seeking justice and experiencing some sort of hardship or difficulty. Right? So we would probably need to have a definition of of what is justice. Greg, what's justice? <laughs> Are you asking in the sense of this parable and in the sense of, of biblical justice? I mean, I suppose both, right? I mean, um, when a person becomes ill, I, 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 I don't generally find that to be uh, an unjust situation illnesses is, is a thing that happens now if the illness has arisen from from some sort of unjust situation um folks being forced to live in hazardous areas or settings you know or something like that then maybe it is a matter of justice does this make sense what you just said makes sense, right? That, you know, something like a natural disaster itself is not an act of justice or injustice. Right. However, if the conditions leading to that natural disaster or the, the impact of that natural disaster is exacerbated by human-caused conditions, then it could be an issue of justice or injustice, whether that natural disaster is cancer in someone's body or whether that natural disaster is a, a hurricane or an earthquake, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so kind of one of the quick and handy definitions that I have in my brain, when we talk about righteousness in the scriptural witness, we're talking about um, the human beings and God being in right relationship with one another. Um, when we talk about justice, we're talking about human beings being in rightly re relationship with one another, treating each other. Um, fairly, kindly, appropriately, um, 
those sorts of things, like not trying to get ahead of one another or whatever the case may be. Does that work though for the definition of biblical justice? Because particularly in the Old Testament, um, justice is usually meted out by God um, and justice is the work of God. And then there are times when God invites God's people into the work of justice that he's enacting in the world. So, um, and that's one of the unique things, like one of my favorite Bible verses is Micah 6, 8, where Micah the prophet says, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love mercy or kindness and walk humbly with God. And that's a unique call where God is inviting humanity into God's work of justice in the world. Um, that we are to be in actors of justice in the world, we are to do justice. And that's that's relatively unique in the Old Testament. Usually it's God who is the one enacting justice in the world. Sure, but that like that justice that God is inviting people to join in on is only going to be demonstrated through people's relationships with one another. Right. Yeah. So you're 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 looking at that sort of narrow definition of justice in terms of relationships between human beings. Yeah, I mean, her complaint is grant me justice against my opponent. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and in this field, someone is trying to take advantage of her in some way, shape or form. Right. And in this case, justice is almost directly related to what we call a system of justice, right? The judicial system, because she's pleading to a judge to grant her relief. Um, and this would be a really interesting scripture to study with, uh, like, Teresa Luther, hmm. who's a retired judge. I'm, I'm curious what her perspective would be uh, on this. We actually we have another retired judge in our congregation as well. It would be really interesting to hear how they read this. I might, I might do that. Well, you could do that. Reach out to them, ask them, what do they think? Yeah, I th it's it's interesting to I, but later he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, it's just an interesting sentence to for a person to say to themselves. Right. <laughs> Even though I don't really care about anything other than myself, uh, or perhaps especially because I don't care about anything other than myself. Right. That's, that's like, because I have no moral conscience, I'm not going to grant this request for relief, but because I'm annoyed by this woman's constantly pestering me, I will grant this request for relief. It's, it's, it's a very weird parable, mm -hmm. an interesting nugget, if you will. <laughs> yeah. But then he still recognizes what he's going to grant her as being justice. Right. <laughs> He doesn't like he doesn't say i will grant her request uh he doesn't say i will you know offer my judgment you know in her favor he says i will grant justice so maybe he recognizes the rightness the validity of what she's asking for um he just doesn't really care especially whether or not she gets it or it's 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 a very transactional definition of justice, right? Sure, like this is what she's called it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then we're supposed to draw some conclusion from that interaction about how, uh, how God will respond uh, to those who, who pray and don't lose heart. Um, but those who pray and don't lose heart for justice, right? Right. I would tell you God will quickly grant justice to them. Right. It reminds me of, of uh, other scriptures um, where like uh, if so and so will do such and such, imagine what God will do for you. Mm-hmm. Right. It feels a little bit like that. So if this unjust judge is willing to grant justice in this case to a persistent person, Imagine what God will do for you if you are persistent in your need to pray and not lose heart, right? Yeah. To me, that's that's like the missing, <laughs> the missing <laughs> component here because it reads like that to me mostly, but but it's easy to get bogged down in the details and go, huh? What's going on here, right? Yeah, it's like um, oh, there's one of like um, to give the kids, no kids like poison or whatever it is someplace else do you i'm not remembering it well at all but it's essentially that like if even these you know low life kind of you know whatever folks do this bare minimum of a thing um yeah how much more will god do it also you know has shades of um ask and the door will be opened unto you seek and you will find um sort of a flare, which I always worry wanders too much into like prayer as wish fulfillment. Right. Um, which I think is kind of dangerous theological territory uh, to get yeah. into. I, but it, and, and in that sense, I like the specificity here of justice. God right. wants to grant justice to people. Yeah. It, it leads me to the scripture too, when Jesus is talking about um having our needs taken care of like in, it's, i think it's in matthew that god takes care of the birds and they never hunger and so imagine if god takes care of the birds what god will do for you type thing right mm-hmm. yeah i th- i thought that maybe i thought that maybe that was in luke right it might be how much more will yeah the, yeah they neither worry about what they'll eat or what they're what they'll wear and the God dresses the lilies of the field and right. that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, do not worry about what you shall eat. Um, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, I mean, I also think this is the sort of parable that you would tell to people if the people that you were telling it to also felt that they were experiencing some sort of injustice. Right? So the disciples themselves and the crowd gathered around, they're going to see themselves in the story and they're going to see themselves as the widow. Uh, so, so then what sort of justice were they seeking for themselves? I don't know. Maybe someone does. But. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. But it's definitely a call to persist in prayer because that's how it starts. 
Yeah. And to not lose heart and that God will eventually enact justice. It, it makes me think of the Martin Luther King quote that the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. Yeah. Except that here it says, I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. Yeah. Which so what does that mean for as the day is long? People who are denied justice uh, over yeah. the course of a lifetime or generations even. Yeah. And then there's this little little tag on the end, um, which this and yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Which is uh, maybe an allusion to. Uh, so this is like one of the last things that Jesus does before he gets to Jerusalem in the Gospel of Luke, um, knowing that in Jerusalem he'll be crucified uh, and then raised. And so this is a a reference to when to maybe when he comes back. It was kind of weird to refer to yourself as the, as the Son of Man, but um, and so this sort of like which maybe sort of raises this question of will the people be faithful enough to persist in offering these prayers uh, or will they just give up? Uh, and then when I come back, will, well, you know, will I find anybody who has remained faithful in the in-between time? Yeah. Which is strange also. <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, I think that one of the questions that this raises is like this question of theodicy is the world is the word, right? Like the justification of God. Yeah, well, just uh, what's the one that has to do with why does suffering exist? Yeah, God is good, God is love, and suffering or evil exists. And these three things are in tension with each other. So I don't know. It's a real, it's a real dill of a pickle, I say. A real dill of a pickle, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are there pickles that aren't dill? I don't like pickles, so I don't really know. Sweet pickles? Okay. So, yeah. So what's a, okay. <laughs> I guess a pickle is just a cucumber that's been soaked in vinegar. I guess so. And then you can add whatever flavoring to it you want, dill or otherwise. Sure. Know. Somebody knows. <laughs> Once again, it's not me. <laughs> um, and then in Second Timothy, the the persistence in Second Timothy is to like Paul is saying to Timothy, keep preaching the things that I taught you to preach. Proclaim the message. Be persistent, whether it's Easy or hard, right? Favorable or unfavorable? Keep at it. Yep. I do like this chapter 4, verse 3. Um, For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Uh, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. Mm. Which could be a, a dangerous set of uh, verses for a, a 
could be a self-inflating set of verses uh, for a preacher to pay too much attention to, I think. How often do you think people have invoked that against other Christian movements in history? Oh my gosh. I mean, only all the time, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a, I think that there's a, a profound amount of truth in it, right? I, we all really just want the things that are gonna like tell me that I'm, oh yeah, I am right. <laughs> oh yeah, I am living my life the right way. And um, yeah, I should be spending all my time doing this or that or the other thing, right? Um, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I think it'll preach, Greg. I'm glad to hear that, Damon, since you're going to be the one preaching about it. <laughs> I am going to be the one preaching about it. So, um, should we switch gears? Let's do that. All right. So, uh, this week is fall break for Hastings Public Schools and Adams Central. And so, what that means for us is that we will not have uh, our Wednesday night live activities on Wednesday night for our preschool through fifth graders. I believe there's still adult choir practice and adult bell practice on Wednesday night. And we're still doing our new members class on Wednesday night. We just don't have Wednesday night activities for the kiddos. Uh, it also means this Sunday we take off from Sunday school. So there will be no Sunday school on Sunday uh, for anyone, correct? Including adults? That includes forum. Yes, there yeah. will not be forum on Sunday. All right. So that's uh, that's fall break. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what else do we need to tell them? Well, we should probably make mention of the what I'm calling from days of old, the living history evening, uh, which is on Sunday, November 6th. I believe that's the date. Um, There'll be a dinner. The dinner will feature um, beloved church recipes from throughout the years. And then there will be a program in the sanctuary. The dinner is at five. The program is at six six or 6.15. Come at six and you'll be sure to be on time. That'll be fine. And and the the program will sort of feature some uh, reflections from uh, ministers from the days of old. I mean, we're talking way back time machine. Uh, like this is this is Peabody in the Wayback Machine here, right? Um, and Sherman, Peabody and Sherman, for anybody who gets that reference. Um, and uh, so we'll have a an eyewitness account from the Great Fire of 1910, and a couple of other sort of things, just as a way of sort of refreshing our memory on what is what is our own history. Uh, what has come before us, who, what are the shoulders that we stand upon, um, and that sort of thing. So as we uh, begin to start, I mean, next year is the 150th, right? Indeed, yeah. And so I think this is a nice little sort of lead up to that, I think, in, the, in some ways. So. Yeah, and uh, these reflections are in the first person. They're, they're dramatic reenactments of first person reflections on different moments in First Pres history. So I believe there will be- better way of phrasing that. Costumes as well. 
Um, I hope so. Bottom line is you don't want to miss this thing. Uh, yeah. Both the dinner, which will include recipes from old PW cookbooks, as well as the uh, history, living history evening. So join us for that. That's November 6th. Uh, mark your calendars. Everyone should be there. It'll be amazing. It'll be, it'll be good for sure. So um, one other thing. Well, no, we can mention that later. Not a big deal. All right. Anything else we should mention? I think we've covered all our bases. All right. Well, then it must be time for a closing prayer. And it must be my turn. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, as we live our days, as we move throughout this life, um, boy, do we ever face quandaries. Um, boy, do we ever face settings and situations where we just aren't really quite sure what is what is the right way to go? What is the direction that you are calling us towards? What is the loving thing? What is the kind thing? What is the just thing? In the midst of all of this, oh God, we ask that your presence might be with us. That way that we might be able in moments large or in small to connect with you, to draw from your resources, from your guidance, from your wisdom, as we seek to live our lives. Um, thank you, God, for being with us when we face the big questions in life, when we come across um, interesting nuggets, I suppose. In your gracious and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, then, with all those things said and done, until next time, Toodaloo.